Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And this week we are watching 1961's Babes in Toyland. Buckle up for this synopsis. <laughs> Tom the Piper's son is about to marry Mary Quite Contrary. On the eve of their wedding, evil miser Barnaby hires two henchmen to drown Tom and steal Mary's sheep, cared for by Little Bo Peep thus depriving Mary and the children she lives with of their livelihood, forcing her to marry Barnaby. The sheep are stolen, but Gonzorgo and Rodrigo, Barnaby's henchmen, double-cross him by selling Tom to a band of gypsies instead, leaving Tom with the opportunity to escape and make his way with Mary, Bo Peep, and other Mother Goose characters to Toyland. Yep. Okay, so before we even get into it, I know this movie is not good. Wowzers. It's not. But this is one of those movies that I watched over and over again as a child because there is still something very charming about this film. And so we'll just have to go through it to, to talk about it. But I, I know. I think there was something charming about it. Possibly. Especially now, mm-hmm. that charm is long faded. Mm, I don't know if that's true. There are things about it that are still charming to me. But I also can see like, whoa, that did not age very well. And also it's like, okay, this is this is dumb. But there's still things about it that I do love. Like, I'm, I know it's a bad song, but I still really like I can't do the sum. Because I find the, the thing, I just find it hilarious. <laughs> I do. It's just so funny to me. And I will also address up front. The reason that I very hesitantly say the term gypsy is because it is used pronouncedly in this film it's bad it it's is, it really is, bad it is very bad we're, we're not pretending at all they just use it very heavily and yeah so it's a whole plot point we've put a major content warning up for that i'm just letting you know up front that that's in the synopsis for the fucking movie <laughs> yeah okay so 1961 the budget was three million dollars it made 4.6 1961, $3 million. Is a fuck ton of money. That's a lot of money for what feels like a kind of second rate Disney movie. Okay. There's a lot of shit about this. Oh, Jesus. All right. In 1955, Walt Disney announced this film as an animated feature. And then in 1956, he wanted to make it the following year. And he assigned Bill Walsh and Sidney Miller to direct. But this ended up being the very first live action musical that Disney Studios produced. It was heavily promoted as the studio's other films, but it was a complete failure at the box office. It's one of the few Disney films that were never given a second run at the theaters or was even ever re-released. Like usually they wait about eight years to do it. They never did. I'm not shocked. Disney did not make another musical on this elaborate scale until Mary Poppins in 1964, which became its most successful film during Walt Disney's lifetime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh Uh-huh. It has received mixed to negative reviews from film critics and is currently at 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Film critic... A.H. Weiler wrote of his review, Only a misanthrope would glower at Babes in Toyland, which, with the stage show featuring the annual pageant of the Nativity, was ushered in yesterday as the Music Hall's holiday attractions. Since this officially is the time to be merry, let us say that Walt Disney's packaging of Victor Herbert's indestructible operetta is a glittering color and song and dance filled bobble artfully designed for the taste of the sub-teen set. Adults would have to be awfully young in mind to accept these picture book caperings of the Mother Goose coterie as stirring stuff. 
This Toyland is closer to Disneyland, but who ever heard of an adult winning an argument on that issue? Holy shit. Fuck. Man, old school critics did not fuck around. And also, for like half of that review, I thought, oh no, is he praising this movie? Yeah. And then it takes a real sharp turn with a knife in the gut. Yeah. It's like, this sucks, but it's Disney, so whatever. (laughs) That's basically what he's saying. And he's not wrong. I'm going to give them this amount of credit. Uh Production-wise. It's lovely. I don't find a flaw in that. No, it looks like a Disney film in a good way, not a bad way. What we saw was a really good print. It's been restored really well. So it looks Mm -hmm. really good. Yep. And you can see all the care that's put in. There's a little bit of like, wow, we really did this on a soundstage and couldn't get like some kind of a good exterior shot for this scene. Yeah. (laughs) Like some of it's really dumbed down. But also at the same time, some of the shit is like, they did this live on a soundstage and that's phenomenal. They choreographed that part. Part of that for me is that it's, got some of that charm that I do feel in like Mary Poppins, but it's not Mary Poppins. It's something different. And I think that's part of what I always found charming about it. You saying that it's the first musical really sheds some light on on some of those feelings. Yes. And that this is a proto Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. This is we've never done this before. We're trying to figure it out. Mm hmm. When they did Poppins, they got the right people to put the whole package together the right way. Well, they had a better story template. That too. Because I really feel like that is where we have the biggest problem. They're trying to grab all of these Mother Goose stories, which, okay, that's not a bad template. And that's not a bad brand for Disney. But it's so contrived and ridiculous. And the problem of the movie is that this guy is trying to force this girl to marry him. And they purposely lose her sheep. And the whole movie could have just been about the sheep going missing. They didn't have to have the marriage subplot. It could have just been the sheep. It's so fucked up. It really is. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. It is horrifying how this man gaslights her. Oh, through the whole film. It's it's really bad. (sighs) But also kind of (laughs) entertaining. I mean, like it's it's one of those films that it's so bad that it's come back around to be like this is this is a fun train wreck to watch. Uh, I don't know about that. I I do think it's pretty funny. And only- it, well, I I will tell you, I was glued the entire time. This movie did not disengage me. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a lot of writers for this, and as this is an older film. I just pulled the most recognizable things from these people because I, I, don't, I don't know. Also, they're Disney people, so they've got some good, there's some good stuff in here. The operetta was done by Victor Herbert and Glenn McDonough. They didn't do anything else. Then we have Ward Kimball as one of the, the writers for the screenplay. This is really his only screenplay credit. He is predominantly an animator for Disney. He worked on Snow White, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Mary Poppins, and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Then we have Joe Rinaldi, who also worked on the screenplay. Before this, he did Dumbo, Mickey and the Beanstalk, Pecos Bill, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty. After this, he worked predominantly on The Magical World of Disney. Then we have Lowell S. Hawley, 
who also was credited on the screenplay. Before this, he did My Friend Flicka and The Sign of Zorro. And then after this, he worked on The Loretta Young Show, The Swiss Family Robinson, In Search of the Castaways, A Tiger Walks, The Young Loner, The One and Only Genuine Original Family Band. So yeah, those are all of our writers. Heavily Disney movie people. It's kind of funny the way you you talk through them. You've got one person who's with the animation crew Mm -hmm. who understands like the whole old school Disney system. You've got one person who wrote for those, yep. who's in the writer's room, and then one person who's been working on the live action stuff. Which makes total sense. Yeah. When I started this film, they were going to do it animated, and they decided, nope, we're going to do it live action. So it makes sense that you would bring in all of these people. But the problem is, again, it's the through line. You're trying to cram in all of these mother goose things, which in the beginning is fine. The beginning sequence of meeting all of these characters is fine, and it's cute. But then how do you pull them? Yeah. And and then you, you have these characters that you just don't need. And I guess for me, I want to know the original source material. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand what the original through line was. Did they just throw this in to put a collection of songs that they thought were good for kids into a story? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work for kids at fucking all. Like, what kid would know what the hell is going on in this movie? Well, they outside of that, like, first 20-minute sequence, yeah. they don't explain who anybody is or what any of this shit is. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, you're in the woods with talking trees, and then you're at this deranged toy maker and making toys for Santa. Like, that's what it is. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then there's a wedding. The end. There's all of that. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, there's Mary and Barnaby mm-hmm. and how disgusting all of that is. Mm-hmm. On top of, again, the group that they sell them to. I'm not going to use the term again, but the group that Tom gets sold to mm-hmm. being classified that way and it being like this major fucking plot point. Mm-hmm. And they kind of turn it around, which I guess I appreciate, but it's just like, y'all have no fucking sensitivity to mm-hmm. anything. And again, it like I said, it just leaves me going, who thought that kids would get this? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I as an adult can't comprehend what's going on. Yep. Director Jack Donahue. Before this, he did The Close Up, The Yellow Cab Man, The Frank Sinatra Show, and Lucky Me. After this, he did The Marriage on the Rocks, Assault on a Queen, The Lucy Show, The Jim Neighbors Hour, some of the Brady Bunch television shows. He directed Here's Lucy, The Odd Couple, Chico and the Man, and Lucy moves to the MBS TV movie. So like heavily TV guy doing a big Disney musical. Yikes. He actually signed on following the success of his Broadway directing of Top Banana and Mr. Wonderful and his work on TV spectaculars for Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. So he did have some musical things, but not on TV. He had that, and he also had reviews. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't know about the the musical itself, but it's just like he understands how to direct a collection of songs with no discernible through line. He just directs extravaganzas. Musicals that are like that Mm -hmm. aren't usually that great. Like even the really good reviews, have an ebb and flow in story. All the Sondheim reviews that have ever been done are carefully crafted Yes, for the songs to flow into each other. Yeah, this one's just a hot mess. This is just a bunch of old, old songs Mm -hmm. 
being smashed together in a story. It's fucking like Mamma Mia, except the absolute most bizarre version. Hmm. Ward Kimball was set to direct the film originally, but left after a falling out with Walt Disney. While Disney was away, Kimball arranged for Ray Bolger to audition and approved set designs, which were considered Walt's domain. And along with a studio publicist taking out a trade advert that Kimball was unaware of announcing him as the film's director led to Disney deciding that Kimball had gotten above himself and fired him. Yeah, Walt Disney's a jackass. This is like the biggest Disney fuck up of all time. It is such a, like, this is just a calamity of bullshit. And like, okay. I know the movie Saving Mr. Banks is a bunch of crap. <laughs> like, he totally treated P.L. Travers like garbage. Yeah. But, like, even in that movie, as, like, sweet as they try to make that film with Tom Hanks, I'm like, you're such a dick. Oh, Walt Disney's <laughs> like, the worst. Like, you are a complete jackass. Yeah. I don't care. Walt Disney, you're a dick. <laughs> the end. And you're dead. Woohoo! The fact that this has such a terrible history mm -hmm. is fascinating to me. Yep. <laughs> All right, cast. We start off with Ray Bolger as Barnaby Barnacle. You know him as the Scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz. Like, that was his super big claim to fame. This is the first time he was ever cast as a villain. <laughs> which you can tell in this film, he is eating that the fuck up. He is having so much fun. Hell yeah, he is. After this movie, he was on a ton of television. He did The Partridge Family, The Love Boat, Little House on the Prairie, You and Me Kid. He has a cameo in Annie as the sound effects man at the radio station. Love it. And then he's also on Fantasy Island. So amazing career. That man can dance. Like, and he, they show it off here. He dances amazing. He does. He dances for like what feels like an hour. Yeah, that whole sequence of him like trying to get Mary to marry him when he's like <laughs> being a bullfighter. Oh, he's fucking peacocking and negging her. He's peacocking and negging her. But his dancing, I was just like, look at them shoes. That man can dance. I know. <laughs> like, There's a he, lot of that there. And he knows how to move that cape. And he is great. He, he is, is great in this movie. He he is playing a cartoon villain and he knows it and he is going for it because he is an amazing clown. Go look at The Wizard of Oz, which is my favorite movie of all time. He is made of rubber bands and he can, he's a clown. He's phenomenal. And he just does. He applies that directly to this character. And he's so enjoyable to watch. Even though his character's horrible, he is fun to watch. He's doing a silly musical version of Vincent Price and mm -hmm. pulling it off. Which is yep. kind of amazing. Yes. He's fantastic. Love him. One of the only things I like about this movie. Fair. Next, we have Tommy Sands as Tom Piper. Before this, he was in Sing Boy Sing and Mardi Gras. After this, he was in Love in a Goldfish Bowl. He was on some TV. He was on Wagon Train, Mr. Novak, Hawaii Five-0. And he was in the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries on television. Okay. His career was tanked when he divorced Nancy Sinatra. Don't break Frank Sinatra's daughter's heart. Yeah. That's he, a bad idea. He like really went after him. So <laughs> yeah. He's very cute in this movie and he's fine. His character sucks. He could be worse. He is very cute next to Annette Funicello. But that's it. Like he's not special. He's got enough charisma to pull the part off. Yes. You know, when you've got the two ingenue lovers in mm -hmm. the lead. 
you don't need a whole lot. No. Just a little charisma goes a long way. And he's a good singer and he dances well. And then when he leads the toy soldier army, it's very cute. Yeah, no, he he's actually reasonably good. I mm-hmm. I don't hate him when he's on screen. Mm-hmm. And I think he's giving enough to justify his performance. Next, we have Annette Funicello as Mary Quite Contrary. She's actually only credited as Annette uh-huh. in this, but it's Annette Funicello. We know why. We know why. Before this, she was one of the original Mickey Mouse Club Mouseketeers. Uh-huh. Uh, she was in Further Adventures of Spin and Marty. She was on Annette TV, The Shaggy Dog, The Danny Thomas Show. After this, she was in Zorro, Beach Party, Muscle Beach Party, Bikini Beach, Pajama Party, Beach Blanket Bingo, etc. With Frankie Avalon. Beach blanket bingo, man. Oh, yeah. She's adorable. She says that this is her favorite of all of her films. She is hot garbage in this movie. She is a Barbie doll in this movie. Her job is to show up, be pretty, and just like be posed. And I hate it. But it's not her fault. Oh, but I think it is. I don't really think it is. My problem here is that you can be a Barbie doll Mm -hmm. and still give a performance. And she doesn't do it. This is a very hard one because here's the thing. Tommy was given action. Like Tom Piper's character is given action to do. And Barnaby is very crazy. Her whole job is to just be pretty. Granted, she could have done a lot more in her I Can't Find the Sum song. She could have. I agree with you there. But every other scene, she's literally just supposed to be there and be the pretty girl. I mean, I can understand that. But she is such a black hole of energy Mm -hmm. every time she's on screen. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I have to believe that some of that is her. Mm -hmm. And knowing that she had been on the Mickey Mouse Club for a long time Mm -hmm. before, knowing she's had a long career as a well-regarded actress, Mm -hmm. alongside just being a beautiful face, Mm -hmm. like she did not connect with the material and is completely stiff and wooden. And there's room in being that Barbie doll to give something. And Mm. there's nothing. Mm. It just, every time she's on screen, all of the energy deflates. It just, it just does. So I really don't like her in this movie. I just, I just don't agree. I don't think that it's all her. Have you seen any other Annette Funicello? I think I've seen bits and pieces, especially of the Bikini Beach movies Mm -hmm. in just like, old clips Mm -hmm. and i've seen that she has magnetism like she has chemistry with other actors yeah i just don't think it's all her i know she's not amazing in this film but i just feel like it's more like the script's the biggest problem next we have edwin as the toy maker uh he's the voice of the mad hatter in alice in wonderland you know this voice and of course he's uncle albert in mary poppins like i'm not going through the rest of his stuff he had his own tv show he's phenomenal yes also another of the reasons that i didn't want to look away from this movie he's so captivating he's just crazy he's got that voice he's got that face he's like a clown but in a different way they make him clown and then they also give him some real subtle vaudeville type jokes to throw mm-hmm. in too he's very good and he's very quick and witty and especially him and grumio like the back and forth with grumio is phenomenal he's so wild and then he gets that and he's just like let's do a quick repartee all right i'm back into crazy town and so okay we have to talk about tommy kirk which he's a bad dude i know this so we're just gonna leave it with that he's a bad dude okay before this he was in the mickey mouse club as well 
Lots of TV. He was in The Hardy Boys as Joe Hardy. He was in Old Geller. He was the shaggy dog. Afterwards, he was in The Swiss Family Robinson, The Absent-Minded Professor, Bon Voyage, Pajama Party, The Monkey's Uncle, Attack of the 60-Foot Centerfold, and Billy Frankenstein. Yeah, him and Ed Wayne are just bam, 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 bam. Adorable. It's great. I mean, maybe I mostly thought that was just Edwin being so good. No, you have to have somebody who can play with him. He's okay. He's great. Wow. He really is. I didn't find him that interesting or unique. Okay, he is more charismatic than Tommy Sands. He's more charismatic than a nut from Jello. You're not wrong. (laughs) So he's great in this movie. There you go. Such a low bar. I know. Next, we have Henry Calvin as Gonzorgo, one of the henchmen for Barnaby. Before this, he was in Crime Against Joe, The Broken Star, Toby Tyler, or Ten Weeks with the Circus. After this, he was on Zorro, the television series, The Dick Van Dyke Show, Petticoat Junction, Ship of Fools, and then just some more television till he died unexpectedly of a heart attack. He is actually from Dallas and attended SMU, Southern Methodist University. Cool. Which is where we are. It's true. So that's cool. He's amazing. Both of them are. Okay, so it's Henry Calvin as Gung Zorgo, and then Gene Sheldon as Rodrigo. Rodrigo is one who doesn't talk. Yes. Those two together are amazing. And then you throw them with Ray Bolger. And it's just, you're watching old vaudeville magic. It's wonderful and like the whole swimming and like the sea gag and then the foot gag with like his legs too short Uh like just the clowning is phenomenal and i i do really miss some of that in today's like entertainment what's so great about it is that it's done with enough believability Mm -hmm. it's not so far over the top that you're rolling your eyes at it there is nuance to how it's working. Mm -hmm. There's nuance to the mechanics and they will play down the joke at the right time and then build it back up again later. Mm -hmm. There's levels that you have to keep messing with in order for you to keep going. And that's why I just wanted a movie about all them. I wanted a movie about the bad guys. Mm -hmm. Get them on screen and forget everybody else. And then... Just if you are heavily into the old Disney films, these are some Arpons, Kevin Cochran as Boy Blue, Mary McMarty as Mother Goose, and Jillian as Bo Peep, and Brian Cochran as Willy Winky. Cool. They're in all those movies. Like Old Yeller, Swiss Family Robinson, they're in all of those films around this time. Yeah, I could just give or take all of them. Mm-hmm. In this movie, like I said, I don't know about anything else, but man, they're all bad in this one. Trivia. The stop motion wooden soldier segment took more than six months to film. Good God. And those toy soldiers also make an appearance in Mary Poppins in the nursery sequence and is a favorite feature of the holiday parades at Disney parks. Disney animator Bill Justice made sure that the park soldiers were identical to the movie counterparts. Well done. They are adorable and everybody always forgets where they're from. Well, yeah, because this movie's Utterly forgettable. It's true. Many of the sets from the movie, including Mary's garden and fountain, the shoe house, the pumpkin house, and the trees from the forest were on display at Disneyland in Anaheim from November 1961 through 1962 as a walk-through attraction. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And that's like good use of all the shit. 
Yeah, you might as well do something with it since it didn't turn a profit in the theater. True. After production, the cast and crew presented director Jack Donahue with a jack-in-the-box featuring pictures from the film on the outside and his head popping out of the middle when the button was pressed. The voice of Sylvester J. Goose is that of the film's director, Jack Donahue. <laughs> it's it's unaccredited, but it's just known. <sighs> this would be so fucking weird. It is. Of the six Disney live-action movies that co-star Tommy Kirk and Kevin Cochran, this is the only one where they do not play brothers. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. This Christmas film grew out of the abandoned Rainbow Road to Oz project that was planned and previewed on the magical world of Disney, the fourth anniversary show. In that unmade film, Annette Funicello was to have played Princess Ozma. When the studio scrapped the project, this is what took its place. Disney never actually made an Oz film until Return to Oz in 1985, which I have to make you watch. Interesting. One of the costliest props was the gigantic toy-making machine designed by Disney's best artists and built by the special effects department to the cost of 1,000 pounds, which is like $1,500, but in 1961 money. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also, that toy machine looks so much like the building for It's a Small World in Anaheim. It's also a little little precursor to Willy Wonka. And that's it. Everything else is stupid. And no one cares. <laughs> this movie's so weird. Oof. Oofa doofa. Yep. Ratings. Okay, let's see. How many, how many toy soldiers are we going to give this? It's my movie, so I have to go first. And I'm going to give it a two. Really? Yeah, because the thing is I like about it, I do really like about it. The rest of it's garbage. Give me a one on this piece of garbage. Okay. Man, this movie what? is not That good. may be your lowest rated film of this year. I, the more we talk about it, the more I hate it. That's fair. It's totally insensitive. And insensitive in a way like we talked about with Slapshot, it's not that egregious, mm -hmm. but in that way of, the insensitivity is central to the fucking plot of this movie. Yes. Which means it's bad. Fair. And then our leads are just, there's almost nothing there. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I agree that they're not bad performers, mm -hmm. but they are not giving good performances. Fair. All of our side characters are the ones that I actually care about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course they get their comeuppance because it's a Disney movie. But if you are ever curious to see maybe the biggest flop Disney ever made... I don't know if that's true, but their first live action musical, that was a complete failure. Like they had to do this in order to get things right for Mary Poppins. That's I think true. that's fair. If you ever want to watch like a textbook, how a movie falls apart. Yeah. This is a great example. Yeah. And if you've got Disney Plus, it's streaming on there. So it's right there for yeah, you. You've already paid for it. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next time we are watching another musical. But, oh, boy. But arguably a fantastic one. We're oh, watching really? Meet Me in St. Louis. Ah. A Judy, a Judy Garland classic. I am actually very excited for this one. After seeing Judy this year, mm -hmm. after learning a little bit more and having heard some stuff about this movie, mm -hmm. just little bits. Yeah. I'm like, I'm kind of excited for this one. Good. I, I really like this one. I think you'll really love this. I hope so. All right. So let's talk about the new movies we've seen. All right, this week we saw Frozen 2. Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, Olaf, and Sven leave Arendelle to travel to an ancient, autumn-bound forest of an enchanted land. 
they set out to find the origin of Elsa's powers in order to save their kingdom. Yeah, so like everyone else in the universe, we saw Frozen 2. Of course. That was our Thanksgiving movie. We like to go to the movies on Thanksgiving. We tip the people well. This was so fun. It really was. It's not as good as the original. It's very different. I don't think it's as catchy as the first one. No, it's not as good in terms of plot structure, storytelling, really grabby Disney movie. Mm -hmm. It's way more complex. Yes. A lot darker. Mm, Not darker, deeper. It's deeper. But holy shit, the songs. The songs are phenomenal. I think they're much better. My biggest complaint about the first film is that everybody talks about Elsa. But the main character of that whole fucking movie is Anna. Yes. Anna's the main character. This film makes it very clear that while Elsa has powers, Anna is equally important. And I think that's a very good distinction. So I love that. It tries really hard to balance them out yeah. as characters in the story. I, I get that. Well, they, they separated the party too quickly, and that wasn't good. But Kristoff, Olaf, Sven, and the additional reindeers that we meet make this whole fucking film. <laughs> um, I don't want to spoil anything, but they really do. Kristoff, they, they just did some things with his character that are absolutely perfect and really steal the movie for me. Not in a bad way, not in a, like, shifting focus, but just in the very, like, oh, You made him a really good dude, and I love it, and it's making me cry because it's beautiful. Kristoff gets to be the Olaf of this movie. Kinda. Kinda, Because Olaf goes way deeper than we did in the first one, and is also still the comic relief. He's very adorable. But like, seriously, my favorite favorite line of the whole movie, that's okay, my love's not fragile. Oh. (laughs) It's just, I'm going to cry think of that. It's just, it's beautiful, so it's fine. You're probably going to be forced to see it at some time. So go see it and enjoy it because it is lovely. And Panic at the Disco covers one of the songs and it's amazing. I love it so much. The songs are the songs in the original movie were great. They're great songs. I mean, and also these songs are going to be on our Oscars. Like just give Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez another statue because they've earned it. But these are like four or five times better. Like the first one had. A bunch of catchy, cute songs. This one, almost every single song slaps. Oh, my God. Like, the only song I don't really love is the one with their mom. And even that. It's a good song. I just don't love it. It's a storytelling song. Yeah. And everything else feels like this really cool anthem. God, It's it's just they really killed it with the songs this time around. So go see it. I'm going to go by the soundtrack so that I can learn all the words and so my kids can sing it all the time. My son is obsessed with this movie. He has just become obsessed with Frozen. He has been trying to watch the first Frozen every single day because he knows that Frozen 2 is not on Disney Plus yet. He just knows. Mm-hmm. It like makes the first one seem tame by, by standards today. Well, until next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.